0: You're listening to Connection Church's podcast. You've heard the story of an egg, a clumsy egg with arms and legs. On the wall he sat so tall until he fell on top his head. Down and down and down he goes, no cushion or cloud to soften the blow. What could be his destiny? A fractured skull or broken toe? Indeed he almost broke in two, his shell in need of tape and glue, feeling sore on the floor, who will make him as good as new? A cry for help went to the king, who sent some men to heal his sting, armed forces on horses, doing their best with what they could bring. No magic, no potion, no friend could stop him from his bitter end. Time to do something new, just he could make him whole again. Filling his life with lots and lots made him happy, or so he thought. Could it be, certainly, fix himself even he could not? We know the tale heard it spoken. None could help him in this poem, but there's one, unlike none, who can fix us when we're broken.
1: Good morning, church. How we doing? Everybody good? 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 Yeah, um, I told the nine o'clock, I worked really hard on that video, so I hope you liked it. Um, getting those pages to turn and all that stuff was tough, but... Uh, I painstakingly went through it for you guys. So um, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, I, I'm kidding, but I am thankful for the guys who put that together and who, who worked so hard uh, doing things like that for us. And uh, just um, very thankful for everybody who's a part of this church and serving and doing uh, what it takes to reach people. And uh, I don't know um, if you've heard this, but you know, at nine o'clock, we had another salvation. Um, someone else who went from death to life. And it's just awesome to see that. It's awesome to get to be a part of that. And I really do pray we never take that for granted. Um, Today, we're going to continue our broken series. Uh, It's about our brokenness as people. Every one of us are broken. Um, in in different ways and in many ways the same. And uh, we're going to be in Jeremiah chapter 8 today. If you have a Bible, you can turn there or go on your phone to it, whatever uh, means you're using. If you don't have a Bible, we'd love to give you one. We give you one today. If you'll stop by our guest services table, we'd love to get you a Bible. Um, It will be on the screen as well if you don't have one. So Jeremiah chapter 8, going to begin reading in verse 4. Uh, It says in verse four, and we'll read this first and then we'll pray and we'll jump into it. It says, you shall say to them, thus says the Lord, when men fall, do they not rise again? If one turns away, does he not return? Before we pray, I wanna set this up for you a little bit about uh, what's going on. Jeremiah was a prophet or a messenger of God. Um, He's speaking the word of God to uh, the tribe of Judah. And the the people of Judah are about to come under attack by the Babylonians. And this whole chapter is about turning back to the Lord. It's about coming back and and, uh, repenting and coming to the Lord because it was their uh, their unwillingness to turn back to to God that was causing this judgment to come. And it was their unwillingness to repent of their sin and to worship God alone that, that caused these things to happen. And so as we read this, um, just understand that this is Jeremiah speaking to a people who are headed for destruction, and he's calling them back to the Lord. So let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that it is wisdom. Thank you, God, that it is alive and that it speaks to our hearts. I pray, God, that today um, we would hear your voice and that we would respond to you, God, the way you prompt us to respond. Lord, just help us to Uh, follow you. Um, God, give us grace and strength through this power of the Holy Spirit to follow and to do the things that you've called us to do. Lord, we love you and we thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I live on a dirt road, uh, no, no other houses really right around us, and the other day, I was on the way home, going down the dirt road, and I see something ahead of, up in the road ahead of me, don't think much about it. it, looks like a stick, get a little closer up there, guess what it was? Snake, snake. right? I was like, ah, oh, snake, how many of you hate snakes? Anybody else hate snakes? And, and just for the snake lovers in here, um, they're like, I love snakes, um, one, that's crazy, um, and two... Two, there will be a snake harmed in this message, okay? And, and so, just so you know that going into it. Um, yeah, yeah, so, I'm, I'm driving down the road, see the snake, realize it's not just any snake, but it's a rattlesnake. And I was like, oh, and it makes me just go You know you ever do that, like where you just kind of I just think about it and I'm like, oh man, I hate this. And so, I, I'm thinking like, what can I do? What can I do? And I'm in a truck, so I'm like, Run over it. And so I just run over it. I look in the rearview mirror. He's kind of flopping. So I put it in reverse, run over it again, throw it back in drive, run over it. I did this like six times. I'm like, I want this thing dead, right? I don't want this this thing lurking around. I don't want it coming up in my yard. I don't want when the boys go in the woods hunting that the snake's out there. And so I get get, uh, back again where I can see it and it's crawling off in the woods. I'm like, this is the abominable snake, right? This is like the undestructive, you can't kill it kind of snake. I was like, is this the one that was in the garden, right? Because it will not die, it will not go away. And so I I, I tried to run over it, it wouldn't die. Then I thought about it. I had two shotguns in my truck, um, because I'm a redneck. And so I had two shotguns, one for each hand, and, I thought I can, I can kill the snake with the shotgun, logical thought, problem, had no bullets. So I get out and I'm like, you don't understand how much I hate snakes. I get out, the snake's about to go in the woods, but I don't want to let this thing get away. And so I go over and I take the shotgun, one of them, and I just put it on his, his back and I'm holding this rattlesnake with a shotgun, right? Just holding it down. And I'm like, great, now what do I do? And so. I, I, I finally got it held down with this hand. I reached in my pocket. I called my house. I called um, Dake and got him on the phone. I'm like, Dake, big snake, bring um, bullets, right? And so he he comes down there. He finally gets there with the bullets, and, and I, I hold. I'm like holding the the gun. On the snake because he's like two and a half, three feet, and I'm, I'm all like this too, you know, like stretching out as far as I can, and I'm holding the snake down and trying not to get, you know, bit by the snake and trying not to have a heart attack, and so Dake loads the gun and I put the gun up and, bam, missed, right? I'm like, what the heck? And so thankfully he brought two bullets. Um, and so I put the other one in and finally, um, you know, finished him. I got him. Yeah. So just so you know, there's one less dangerous rattlesnake in the world today. You, thank you. Yeah. And so, but, but I, was, I, I thought about that, you know, because I, I really do. I hate snakes and, and uh, they, they just scare me. And, and so I was thinking about that snake and thinking about one of the reasons I didn't want that snake around is because I feel like they're a danger to us. And this is an area that my children go, um, sometimes in the dark as they're going hunting or coming home from hunting, um, whatever they might be doing or just roaming through the woods. And I didn't want this thing around where it could um, harm my children, where it could possibly harm me, right? Um. or or, or be uh, a nuisance to us. And, And I realized that it was a risk for this thing to be around. And I know some people will say, well, they're not gonna mess with you if you don't mess with them. I don't care. You know, dead snake, right? And so, um, but I wanted this danger to be gone. I feel like that's what Jeremiah is trying to get us to see as we look at his word in this. I feel like he's trying to get us to see the danger that we're in. Um, he's trying to get us to understand the danger that 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 lurks when we turn away from God when we begin to pursue sin rather than God. Um, remember that sin is rebellion against God and His commands. It's when we turn away from God and begin to Go after other things like these these people of Judah had done as they began to go after idols and worship idols instead of the living God um, who had brought them out of Egypt, who'd done so many miracles in their lives. And so they began to worship other things. Um, When we begin to do that, we're in a dangerous place. Um, and and what I want you to see in this first one and if you want to take notes, we're going to go verse by verse and I'll give you something from each verse um, that you can write down but the first thing that I see in this from that text that we read uh, that says when men fall down, do they not rise? If one turns away, does he not turn? Does he not return? The first thing I would have you write down is that the pursuit of sin is always irrational. It's always irrational. It never ends well. And God loves us, so he calls us away from sin. He calls us to follow him. He calls us away from the things that would harm us. Think about sin. It never ends well. Affairs never end well. You think about uh, theft never ends well. Um, Gossip never ends well. Trying to tear others down to build ourselves up by talking, about it. it never ends well for us. It never ends well. Sin simply never ends Well, anger, like I had yesterday, uh, never ends well, right? because sin leads us away from God. It leads us away from our source of life. And it's always irrational. It doesn't make sense. In this text, Jeremiah says, when men fall down, do they not rise again? Have you ever seen somebody that just tripped like out in public, maybe in the mall or maybe uh, in a parking lot and and all of a sudden they just trip, right? And you're watching and you, you laugh. And so, they, they fall, they get right back up behind because they're embarrassed. And what he's saying is it's just the logical thing that when you fall, you get back up. He's saying if you turn around and go the wrong direction, it's the logical thing to turn and come back to where you were, um, to get back on the right track. When we first moved to Statesboro many years ago, my mom and I were coming down I-16, which is the longest, straightest, most boring road in the history of roads and we're coming down I-16, and and we went past not one Statesboro exit sign, but two Statesboro exit signs, and we ended up in Savannah. We ignored all the signs, right? And just kept on going. We're just talking, and and the next thing we know, we're like, we gotta turn around. And this is what he's saying is that it's just logical. It makes sense that when we realize we're pursuing something other than God, that we turn around. And then Jeremiah in chapter or in verse five, he asks this question. God speaks through him. This is God speaking through Jeremiah. And he says, why then has this people turned away in perpetual backsliding? Or why is this people turned away from me time and time again, over and over and over again? Why are they turning away from me? And then he answers part of the question, or or with one of the answers, he says, they hold fast to deceit. They refuse to return. The second thing I would tell you out of this is that the pursuit of sin is always dependent upon us believing a lie. The pursuit of sin is always dependent upon us believing a lie. That's what he says. He says they hold fast to deceit. They hold fast to a lie. This is the same word um, that that when uh, Adam and Eve were brought together, that meant that they were to to come together as one to cling. Um, And and so when we see this, we understand that what he's saying is that we're clinging to it. We're holding to it. They cling to this deceit, believing a lie. And the lie that we typically believe, um, it comes out of a place where we simply believe that our way is better than God's way. We begin to believe that our way is the best way, not realizing that God's way is always best. What God wants for us is always best. What God does for us is always his perfect way for us. And so we realize that, that, that when we're following other things, we've bought into a lie. We're following something that can't do what it's promising us it will do verse uh, six says, I have paid attention and listened." So God's saying, I've listened to what you're talking about, but they have not spoken rightly. No man relents of his evil saying, what have I done? Everyone turns to his own course, like a horse plunging ahead, headlong into battle. There's a couple of words that are, I believe are key in this verse. One of them says that they have not spoken rightly. Another one says that no man relents of his evil saying, what have I done? It's interesting that that it says those things, that they're not speaking truth. They're not speaking of repentance. They're not speaking of God. They're not speaking of turning. Because Jesus tells us that it's from the overflow of our heart that our mouth speaks. And the thing that I see in this text, and I believe what we can take from this text and bring forward um, about 2,600 years later and realize that it's still true, is that the pursuit of sin, the pursuit of sin is a hard issue. Because from the overflow of our mouth, our heart speaks. And he's saying, they're not, they're not even speaking of repentance. They're not even speaking of following they're following after these other things. And he says, it's like a horse plunging headlong into battle. It's like a horse going their own way. It's like a, this horse that's trained just to run into the battle. Even when it's headed for destruction, it just continues to charge. It continues to go. And I think we're a lot like that. I I think we're a lot like that horse and that many times God's putting up the signs he's trying to tell us. He's trying to warn us. And we just keep charging ahead, even though we're headed for destruction, almost as we have blinders on, just going after our own way, not changing our course, unwilling to change our course. And here's one of the reasons why we do that. It's because whatever has our heart, we will naturally gravitate towards it. We will naturally gravitate towards what has our heart. Case in point, for my birthday, Susan got me a key lime cake. Anybody love key lime, right? Yeah, key lime's awesome. And so the cake is about this tall, about this big around. It was good. Like I know, because I ate a lot of it. And every time I would walk through the kitchen, I would find myself in front of that cake it was in a box, so I just left a knife in the box. So every time I went in, it didn't matter if it was morning when I woke up. It didn't matter if it was lunchtime. It didn't matter if it was in the afternoon. It didn't matter if it was in the evening. It didn't matter if it was midnight. If I walked past that cake, I got me a piece. Finally, I just put a fork on top of the box so that I could just have quick, easy access. I'd just eat it, right? And then you got to have milk so I could get milk too. But the cake was good. And I love cake. The older I get, the more I love sweets. And so this cake was literally drawing me to to it, right? It was this pull, this force. Why? Because I love sweets. It's the same thing with the rest of our life. The thing that has our heart will always draw us to it. Um, We're always going to gravitate towards the things that, that, that we love, that has our affections. The question we need to ask ourselves today is, does God have my affections? Does he have my heart? Because we'll always go after what has our heart. Verse seven says, even the stork in the heavens knows her times and the turtle doves swallow and crane, keep the time of their coming or keep the time of their migration. But my people know not the rules or the decrees of the Lord. And so basically what he's saying in this one is that even the birds understand when to migrate. They understand when they've they've left, they understand when to come back. They understand when to return. And what he's saying is the birds understand this, but my people don't get it. And he says it's because they don't know my decrees. What is a decree? It's something that's proclaimed, it's something that a command that's given. And I believe this, number four, is that the pursuit of sin requires us to ignore God's voice. Because God loves us. He tries to pull us. He calls us away from that. He calls us to turn back. But the problem is that many times we don't even respond like the birds who know when it's time to return. We just keep going our own way. And so we ignore the voice of God. I would wonder today, how many of us know that the Lord is speaking to our hearts about something in our lives that, that needs to, to go or something that needs to be started or something that we need to do. He's put his finger on it, and we just keep pushing it away. We just keep blocking it out. We keep just pretending it's not there. And yet the Lord is steady speaking to us, calling us to turn from whatever it might be, whether it's just uh, unfaithfulness, whether it's um, lying, whatever it may be, whether it's greed, he's calling us to turn and to come back to him. Listen, he loves us, so he calls us back. He calls us back. Verse eight. How can you say we are wise and the law of the Lord is with us? But behold, the lying pen of the scribes has made it into a lie. The wise men shall be, shall be put to shame. They shall be dismayed and taken. Behold, they have rejected the word of the Lord. So what wisdom is in them? Number five, the pursuit of sin always requires us to reject God's word, to reject his word. See, He's given us His plan. He's given us His call. He's given us the purpose for our existence. He's he's given us a way of life. But, But many times we reject His word. We reject His word. And many times the only reason that we feel we're living according to His word is because we've watered it down so much it's lost its distinction. We've watered down what it means to be a Christian. We've watered down what it means to follow Christ so that our lives don't resemble uh, Jesus any more than someone in the world. And I'm not telling you that we're called and we're gonna be perfect, but what I am telling you is that there should be a difference, that there should be a difference in our lives and when we do turn away from God, that we would turn back as the Holy Spirit convicts and calls, because that's the hallmark of a follower of Jesus. That when the spirit convicts, that when we see it, we, 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 we respond to return. That we respond to come back. And I want you to understand that when we look at this, the world tries to give us its wisdom. But wisdom that is contrary to God's word is no wisdom at all. It's not truth, it's not wisdom, it's not the way we should go, it's not what's best for us. We can call this book outdated, but this is what I can tell you. If you do what it says, your life is gonna be considerably different. It's gonna be considerably better. It's not that everything's gonna go your way and everything's gonna be perfect and there's not gonna be any harm, but I can tell you this, when you pursue Jesus and you follow him, it adds a difference to your life. And we we need to see and understand the wise men, the people who buy into this false wisdom, this false teaching, the wise men shall be put to shame, it says. And that literally means to be dried up. It means to become fragile, brittle, broken, dead. He's saying you can't live this way in that pattern and find life. We can't pursue sin rejecting God's word, rejecting Him and think that we'll be able to live and find abundant life that God calls us to. When we get out of line with him. We can't feel we can't find that life. It says that they'll be dismayed literally means broken. The name of our series, because this is where we all are. I told you that it's a hard issue. The reality is that we all have the same issue. It may manifest itself in our lives in different ways. We may see the outcome of it in different ways, but at the root, it is all the same. Our biggest issue, our number one problem in our lives is sin is turning from the Lord is going our own way. And so he says we end up broken. And then he says, and taken. And taken literally means to be held captive, to be taken, to be captive. And we know this, That when we um, continue in our sin, when we begin to, to sin and turn away from God, we know this, that it begins to take us captive. But see, here's the thing. Christians are not called to be taken captive by sin because Jesus came and destroyed the work of the enemy. He's given us power to overcome that sin. We can't do it alone. We need people in our lives, but he has come to set us free. And when we live according to his word, believing it and following it and doing it and trusting that it's true and and, and walking according to it, the reality of it is, not rejecting it, the reality of it is that the, the truth does set us free through the power of God, not even something that we can do, but something that God does in us and through us. Verse 10, therefore, I will give their wives to others and their fields to conquerors. Because from the least to the greatest, everyone is greedy for unjust gain. The prophet to the priest, everyone deals falsely. And I want you to understand this one. Number five, or number, I'm sorry, number six. Pursuit of sin costs us more than we wanna pay and takes us further than we wanna go. Haven't you seen that in your life? Many times we say, I won't cross this line. And we cross that one. Well, I won't cross that line. And then we cross that one. And we just keep going a little, a little along. It costs us more than we want to pay. He talks about them losing their wives, losing their their land, losing the things that are dear to them, near to them. And it always is that sin leads us to this place of destruction. It always happens because sin leads to death. And God's calling us to turn. Turn. See, sin always carries us further than we want to go, and it always costs us more than we want to pay. Perfect example of this, or or the way I thought about this as I was studying it this week, I believe it's kind of like the fair that's coming to town next week. It costs me more than I want to pay, and it takes me further than I want to go, because I'd be fine stopping at the pancakes at the gate. But, and I would say this, it would be better for me if I could just give each of my children $75 and let them punch me in the gut. That would be better for me. And, and it always is that way. You go out there, it's like you've got this, this blower that's taking money and it's just like and, and, and then you don't even, you know, for me, I don't even want to be there many times. It's just, I, I leave and, and I kind of feel like I need a shot of penicillin or something, right? Just feels dirty. And so it takes, it costs me more than I want to pay and takes me further than I want to go. Sin is the same way. It's going to cost us more then we want to pay and it's going to take us further away from God and into things than we want to go. Many times we wake up in the morning and look at life and we go, how did I end up here? I swore I would never do this. This is not what I thought I would be doing as a a child or even as an adult. How did I end up here? It was one step at a time. The good news today is that God's voice is calling us to return. God's telling us to get up and to return, to come home. If you've fallen, he's saying, get up and come home. If you've gone astray, he's saying, return, come back to me, repent, come back, turn back to me. He says that they're all greedy for unjust gain. Many times we continue to push through, even though we can sense the pain, we can sense that we're out of line. Verse 11 says, they have healed the wound of my people lightly, saying, peace, Peace when there is no peace. Number seven is this. Pursuit of sin wounds us fatally, but we treat it superficially. Sin wounds us fatally, but we treat it superficially. We see this in our churches today, don't we? It's easy to get away from sin. Why? Because I'm going to get a whole lot of emails this week that say, hey, thanks for stepping on my toes, right? Every now and then. But, but it's easier to pat ourselves on the back and to not talk about the real issues, the real things that, 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 that haunt us, the real things that are coming against us. But the reality of it is we need to realize it's a fatal wound. Many of us are struggling with woundedness right now because of the sin in our life. But God calls us back. God calls us to restoration. God calls us to wholeness. The question is, will we respond to his call? It says in verse 12, were they ashamed when they committed abomination? Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed. They did not know how to blush. In other words, there was no embarrassment behind it. There was no, oh my gosh, what have I done? He says, they didn't even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among the fallen. When I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. Number eight, the pursuit of sin is or has become our normal in many cases. It just becomes a part of our life. Something just tags on with us. Something just becomes so normal for us that we don't even think about it anymore. And for some of us, it's because the spirit of God's not living in us. Because see, here's the reality for a Christian, that when we sin, there should be a conviction that comes because of the spirit of God in us. The reality for the Christian is that when we sin, there should be a battle that rages inside of us that says you need to turn back, that we sense God leading us back. And if that's not there, if there's no internal battle against sin, there's no no realization that I need the power of God working in me to overcome this, there's no conviction in our life, then what we need to look at is our salvation and have I truly come to faith in Jesus because everyone who has said yes to Christ has received the Holy Spirit who wars against our flesh and leads us into godliness, leads us closer to Jesus. And so we have to look at it and see and ask ourselves that question. Verse 13, the last verse in this section we're gonna look at. It says, when I would gather them, declares the Lord, there are no grapes on the vine, nor figs on the fig tree. Even the leaves are withered, and what I gave them has passed away from them. The last one, the pursuit of sin always leads us to judgment. For unbelievers, we have to realize this that our sin will be judged. Why, it's rebellion against God, it's evil. If God doesn't judge it, he's no longer righteous, he's no longer just, he has to judge our sin. And and there's nothing that that, that an unbeliever has to, to, to do anything about that. We stand vulnerable before a holy God who doesn't want to do what's coming in these passages, but has no choice because people refuse to turn to him. As, as Christians, we don't face eternal judgment, eternal damnation, I guess. What we face is we, we, we're given rewards for eternal rewards for the things that we've done well. Uh, and, and so we see that there's no uh, real um, motivation I guess from for us as Christians that uh, we don't we're not going to be judged for our, our sin in a sense of eternal um, eternally being with God or apart from God but our motivation is different because what we do is we look at the fact that we won't be judged that God has taken our sin from us that God has put his punishment and his judgment on Jesus and we begin to live out of this attitude of gratitude for what he's done we realize that no judgments coming to us we realize that God has given us us his Holy Spirit to live in us, to lead us closer to Himself. We realize that He's given us a new nature, um, a new nature that wants to follow Him. And we realize that God's shown us a new way of life that we can go after Him. And so God does this for us. That's our motivation, is the goodness of God. And even for the unbeliever this morning, listen, it's not really just the fear of hell or separation from God or judgment of sin that really should draw us to God. That's part of it. But but the reality of it is, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. It's the goodness of God that draws us close. We look at what God's done for us. We look at what God has given us, and we say, that's the God I wanna serve. He's the one that I wanna live for. He's the one that has my heart now because I recognize what he's done for me. And so that's where our pursuit of him begins, is in his goodness. And see, here's the thing. This is a heavy um, passage, and this is a heavy message. But the thing I want you to know is the most loving thing that I could tell you this morning. I really believe that this is a message that the Lord put in my heart for today. It was in my own quiet time, my own time of reading. I was reading through the book of Jeremiah and I felt like the Lord's put this in my heart. I'd planned on preaching on something else and then a couple of weeks ago, this came into my heart and I really believe it's for us and for people here today. I believe we're here by a divine appointment that God would have us hear this and be challenged to look at our hearts and look and see where we're at with him and what it is that's pulling us away from him. When I look at this last verse, it says there's no grapes on the vine, there's no figs on the fig tree. And what God does a lot of times in scripture is in the Old Testament especially, is he uses um, the vine, he uses uh, the fig tree to talk about judgment, to symbolize judgment, to symbolize his coming judgment or the judgment that he's put upon Israel. And the thing that I want you to look at now is in Mark chapter 11, because I began to think about another place that a fig tree is mentioned. In Mark chapter 11, this is where Jesus curses the fig tree. In verse 12, I'm going to read verses 12 through 21. It says, on the the following day, when they came to Bethany, this is Jesus and his disciples, he was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree... In leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season for figs. And he said to it, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard it. And then there's this interesting break. It comes into the cleansing of the temple. Verse 15 says, and they came to Jerusalem and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold and those who bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. And he would not allow anyone to carry anything through the temple. And he was teaching them and saying to them, is it not written, my house shall be a house of prayer for all the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him for they feared him because all the crowd was astonished at his teaching. And when evening came, they went out of the city. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. And Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree that you cursed has withered. It's interesting that Mark sandwiches that cursing of the fig tree and the withering of the fig tree around the the, the cleansing of the temple. But, But Mark did this for a reason. He did this to show us something. That what Jesus was doing was not just to kill a tree because it didn't have figs. The Bible says it wasn't even the season for figs. But what he's doing and what he's showing us is that there was something bigger taking place. Jesus was showing the judgment of Israel, um, the people of God, but he was also showing the judgment of the worship that took place in the temple. He was showing the judgment of this hypocritical worship of pretending to love God, but not really God having your heart. He's he's calling them out about um, their lips, proclaiming God and proclaiming to follow, proclaiming to love him, but their hearts being far from him. And so he's saying, this judgment is coming upon the the people, but also upon this way of worship. The temple was the way that they approached God. It was the way they came to God. It was where their worship services took place. Um, so to speak, it was where they would sacrifice the lamb on the day of atonement. And what Jesus is saying is that I'm about to create another way that you will come to me. You'll no longer come through uh, the the temple. You'll no longer come through the blood of a lamb, but you'll come through the lamb of God, the son of God, because my body will become the temple. My body will take the sin of the world. My body will be punished for you. I'm going to take the wrath of God upon me. I'm going to I'm gonna basically punish myself so that I can take your sin off of you. Literally taking it away from you. Lifting it off of you so that you no longer have to deal with it. That you no longer have this on you. You no longer have to deal with the coming judgment of sin because I've taken in that for you. And so he's telling them there's another way coming. There's another way coming. And he took our sin upon himself so that we could be made righteous. The one who was righteous became unrighteous so that we could become the righteousness of God. Now by faith we appropriate that to ourselves. We receive that from him. And see, here's the reality. Our sin is going to be judged. It's either going to be judged on us or by faith is judged in Jesus. And that's the good news of God. That's the goodness of God. When we couldn't come to Him, when we couldn't do anything for ourselves, when we couldn't help ourselves, God came to us. It's what separates us from every other religion in the world that in only in Christianity did God leave heaven and come to us so that He could take us back with Him. But there comes a point when we need to see a few things happen we need we need to come to a place of repentance and turning back to God when we recognize sin in our life the first thing we have to do today is we have to recognize the sin in our life recognize what it is it doesn't take us very long because sin typically comes with condemnation and guilt and we recognize what's in our life that's not of God the second thing we need to do is take responsibility for it acknowledging it saying that's mine I own that I did that And the third thing is surrendering to God, coming back to God, allowing God to take that off of you, the weight of that sin off of you, lifting it off of you so that you can stand again and return home. And that happens through our surrender to Him. For some of us, we need to surrender things that we're doing, they're taking us away from God. For some of us, we need to surrender things that maybe we're not doing that aren't leading us to God. For some of us, listen, this is something that that is just very strong in my heart today. For some of us, we need to realize that this was a word that God has given so that we won't do what we're contemplating doing. God has come to you. And he's put up this sign, like those signs on I-16. And and my prayer and my hope is that you won't pass them by, but that today becomes a place of surrender for you, where you follow God and trust Him. For some of us, maybe maybe surrender is is needs to come from something that was done to you, a sin that was committed against you to come and surrender that to God, trusting that He will restore and heal what's been broken. And today we have that opportunity to acknowledge it, to take responsibility for it, and to surrender it. For some here today, you've never surrendered to Jesus as Lord and Savior, you've never come to God through Christ. In other words, you've never um, had that moment of salvation when you said yes to Jesus. Not just praying some prayer or going through some ritual, but giving your life. Saying, I'm His and He's mine. Receive what He's done for me by I'm trusting him as my salvation. I want to ask you, if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus, you never had that day of salvation, this is what I want you to do. If he's calling you, you hear his voice and you're saying yes to him today, every one of you got a flag in your seat. And today, if God's calling you to this place of salvation and you're saying yes to him for the first time, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take that white flag that symbolizes surrender and I want you to hold it up where we can see it and celebrate with you going from death to life. you just hold it up? Amen. Where are we at? Raise it up high. Amen. Anybody else you, you, we, we'd love to pray with you and if you take next steps if today's the day of salvation just wave the flag of surrender let it be a tangible representation of what's happening in your heart well here's what I want to give to the rest of you just a moment I want to pray and when I'm done praying I'm going to ask you there's something in your heart that you need to surrender to the Lord something in your heart that you know has got to go. I'm going to ask you to take that flag and I'm going to ask you if, if, if God's speaking to your heart about this I'm going to ask you that you would move to the front and we've got some styrofoam up here and you stick that flag in the, in the styrofoam representing your surrender to God and then you turn around and walk away from it representing you turning to God and you leave it here and you remember this moment that this is the moment that I surrendered that to Jesus this is the moment that he took that away from my life so that when you leave here and you get in the car and the enemy tries to bring that back to you you remember I've, I've let this go. It no longer has a hold of my life because Jesus destroyed the work of the enemy. And I'm gonna ask you, after I'm done praying, you can bring those four. And you do that. And there's some Sharpies up here. If you want to write something on it and stick it in the styrofoam, you can. If you just want to let it represent what it is in your heart today that you're surrendering, you can. But I want to pray. and I'm going to ask you to move. And I pray that this would be a moment in your life that's transforming. A moment that you never forget. A moment that you come back to time after time to remember the cleansing work of Jesus in your life. And his power over that thing that's hindering you. That thing that's bothering you that thing that you can't seem to let go of and then listen, if you come up here but you need prayer, you want somebody to pray with you we'd love to do that we're going to have some prayer people to my right over here by these doors, you can come up and stick that flag in the styrofoam and then go and there will be people here to pray with you so let's do that, let's let's surrender let's be people who are wholly surrendered to the Lord let's pray Father, thank you so much for your heart for us your love for us, your grace in our lives Lord, let us be bold today to follow the leading of your Holy Spirit, to follow your voice, God, to do what you prompt us to do. God, none of us have it all together. Uh, in surrender, God, we realize it's not something we can do one time and then it's done. Our lives are, are surrendering to you. It's, it's a daily walk. It's a daily following. So, God, would you just move in this time and lead us closer to you? Um, let us surrender what it is that's weighing us down. And, God, take that from us. Let us rise again and begin to follow. Let us rise Rise again and return to you. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for what you've done on the cross for us, bridging the gap of our sin and our Father's holiness and letting us come to Him. And today we honor you, Lord. We glorify you, Jesus, and we praise you because you are the one who is truly worthy of praise. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can move and you can begin to come. If the Lord's speaking to your heart, let's do this.